welcome to Dollars and Cents with Friedman Financial. During today's episode, your host, Mark Friedman, may discuss specific financial planning and investment ideas that are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations. Please remember that investing involves risk and may include loss of principal. Always consult a certified financial planner professional, qualified attorney, or tax advisor prior to investing to determine what is appropriate for you. And now, here's the host of Dollars and Cents, Mark Friedman of Friedman Financial. Welcome back to another edition of Dollars and Cents with Friedman Financial. My name is Mark Friedman, and I'm, a, and I'm joined by my business partner, Marion Gilman. How are you today, Marion? I'm great. How are you, Mark? So we're doing a show today from somewhere a little bit different. If you're hearing the echo here, where are we, Marion? We're on the road. We are at UCLA in Los Angeles. We are at the uh, the uh, UCLA Anderson. School of Anderson School of Business, right? Right. It is fantastic. What a the meeting campus. Absolutely. The meeting just started this morning. We've learned all kinds of things already. It's really a very valuable meeting. I think it's the, one of the best conferences you and I go to every year. Absolutely. And it's typically about a three-day meeting. And it's just a lot of insights about business in general. I mean, the, today we're focused more on persuasion and um, human uh, knowledge. Be- behavioral economics Beha- is really what they talk well, about. Well, yeah, behavioral economics and and just, you know, how people make decisions. And it, it amazes me how much research goes into this. I mean, that's all of the, the professors that have been talking to us today. They're sharing research that they do with other professors at other schools. And it, it is really remarkable what they come up with and what they put together. Now, you know, I've always been a a fan of, of reading a, a lot of stuff about behavioral economics and such, but I oftentimes find sometimes it's a little impractical because they don't have the real-life field experience. That That's the one thing missing, although this morning we did have a mix of professors speaking to us, one of whom had an enormous amount of real-life work experience, had been in the field working for a corporation for 20 years before he went back to teaching. Right. You know, but one of the things that I think many people and many of our listeners here struggle with is a question that we have posed to us quite often, and that's simply because we have close to 20 to 25 deaths a year in our office. And that question is, what happens if something happens to me or to my spouse or to my children? What happens? And what fascinates me is how little people know the facts. It's like you you say all the time, Arian, you don't know what you don't know, right? That's one of my favorite sayings. Absolutely. Yeah. And in death, I mean, and that's because, I mean, when you think about it, how frequently are you asked to step in when somebody dies? I mean, at most, it's probably two or three times in your lifetime. And it might just be once. Exactly. And usually that's when, you know, your spouse passes away or perhaps you've been the identified child after uh, the last parent is around. Exactly. And you don't know much. Of course not. And how would you? You have one experience and that's it. And and where do you get your experiences and knowledge from? Where do people get that knowledge from? What, talking to your neighbors? It's hard to go to the internet, uh, you know, because in, in many cases that's what you do. You Google it, right? But 
that's not a very clear um, outline of what needs to happen when somebody dies. No, and, and there's a lot of assumptions that are made, and frankly, a lot of them happen because of what we see on TV. Whether it's movies that we watch, oh, yes. you know, someone dies, and then you go into this beautiful oak office, and you meet with the attorney, and everyone sits around the room, and there's the reading of the will. Yes, and, on the day the person dies. Yeah, it just yeah, like the day after. <laughs> so, so let's just cut to the it's chase crazy. here. First of all, that does not happen. No. And and so what we thought we'd share with you is some of the experiences that we've had and situations that we face because. I actually think it's one of the best attributes that our office offers that we never planned on being good at. It just worked out that way. Dad started the business back in 1968, so we've got a lot of experience. We do. Uh, fortunately, most of that experience are for people who have lived very long, productive lives. And so, yes, it's it's sad. Um, However, you know, they have lived good life, so we can say that. But it, it is, you know, very interesting to see how people react and what they think they need to do and what they actually need to do. So if you're listening to this podcast and maybe there's you and your spouse, maybe you're driving in a car, you're sitting at home, or you're sitting alone and you just want to have a conversation, ask your spouse or your partner or somebody that you know, if I were to die... Who's the first person you'd call? <laughs> That's a great question. Great question. Now, the first person you might call might be easy because it might be one of the kids or it might be a close family member. But who's the second and third persons that you would call? Or who are the people you have to notify more than just you know calling for... Uh, you know, just to say, oh, well, you know, a close friend of you has died. But who are the people, who are the important people that need to be notified because they have some important component of what they need to do yeah, and, relative to settling your estate? And I would agree. And I think in many cases, we find ourselves as either the second or third call in many cases. Right. Because we do keep a log of what needs to be done. We understand, you know, um, what documents the client has in place. We keep all of the estate documents in our vault. Um, right. So we have all of that on hand. And fortunately, most of the next of kin of the person who dies knows enough to call us. Yeah, and, the, and one of the beauties of the reasons that people end up working with us at Friedman Financial is that we're not just the investment person. We know everything about your financial life. We can produce a net worth statement that says, you have bank accounts at X, Y, and Z bank. You have a 401k somewhere, an insurance policy, uh, and, and so much more. Exactly, and, and if you have taken the time to consolidate assets in one place, particularly with us, it's one phone call and we do all the work for you. Right. Um, and, but we also help out for all of those other things that are out there, for bank accounts, for life insurance, um, whatever it might be, we can assist in actually claiming those or figuring out what needs to be done with each of the accounts. We can help you out with that. We do, and we and we set up your accounts appropriately so that you can avoid probate if if that's what something that you if that's something that you wanted to do. And most people do; they would like to avoid probate at all costs. So Without having a complicated estate plan. Right. You don't need all this fancy, sophisticated stuff. Most people don't need it. 
but there are some basic things that you can do to avoid probate. And maybe we can just use our time right now, Marion, and, and share some of those ways that people can avoid probate. First of all, what is probate? Probate is a court process where if any asset is only in your name, there is no beneficiary listed, it needs to go through the probate process through the courts in order to be designated to the appropriate beneficiary. And so that process can take months, depending sure upon can. what the backup in the courts are. And it also gets advertised. And many people don't want their uh, bank accounts to be common knowledge. Yeah, so let's say, for instance, you own a checking account at Salem Five Bank. You have $80,000 in the checking account, and it's just your name. Now, you may be married, but it's just in your name, the name of the account, the checking account, your name. And you think... Well, if I were to so die, what, right? if I were to die, it's just going yeah. to my husband. Right. Well, that be, and you say because the will says so. Well, what you need to understand is when we're talking about a will, the will doesn't come into play until after we go through probate. That's that's so, right. And if you need an attorney to help you go through probate, that also can be costly. Right. So, what you the first, one of the first things you want to do is you want to look at every asset that you own whether it's your bank accounts, whether it's your 401k at work, life insurance policies, investment accounts, property that you own, is there another name listed in the registration or part of the registration that says, if I were to die, this is where it's going? And so what are some ways that you can do that, Mary? One of the ways to do that is through a joint account. So if your checking account or savings account at the bank is a joint account, you can autom it automatically goes to the joint owner. Um, as long as it is joint with rights of survivorship. Right. There are two types of joint accounts, or several types, but joint with, rights of, uh, joint with rights of survivorship is the one you want. The other way to do it is to put a uh, TOD, which is transfer on death, or sometimes they call it a POD, pay on death, on an account, which means if you pass away, then the account gets paid to whoever you've named right. it's as detailed a on the account. That's correct. So so people say, well, I have a trust. So the trust will take care of it. Does that work all the time? Not always. It, again, the trust has to be very clearly naming a beneficiary in that trust document. But the trust also has to be listed as the registration on the account. Oh, well, I forgot about that. Yes, because a lot of people don't find How many people go trust? to an attorney and they yeah. say, I want a trust drafted, so they have a trust but they haven't changed the registration on their accounts to name the trust. And instead, the trust is who becomes the beneficiary after going through probate if they haven't been listed on right. the registration. Well, the other way to do that is also to name the trust as a transfer on death, a TOD or a POD, or as a beneficiary. Correct. Um, and it will go directly to the trust. And that would avoid probate. That avoids probate. And Correct. then, so, so now you run into a situation where someone's passed away and there's life insurance to file. Who knows, first of all, how to file that life insurance paperwork? And, w and which insurance company is going to speak to you? Don't you have to be appointed to be the executor or someone that can be the representative? Perhaps you have to be the beneficiary on these accounts Correct. To get the if claim. you are the named beneficiary, um, you can speak to the life insurance and company. But those forms are incredibly difficult to fill out. Annuity are. forms and life insurance and forms. And so one of the things that we do at our office is we know who the beneficiaries are of all of your accounts so that if someone does die, we can give you the guidance. In fact, we'll even sit on the phone 
if you have to make these calls to retirement plan companies, to insurance companies, wherever it might be, we're going to help you and guide you through that whole process. But let's forget about the accounts for a minute. What are some of the other questions that people have to worry about when they die, when somebody dies? I mean, first of all, do you call the funeral home? Have you set up, have, have you made arrangements at a funeral home? How are you going to pay for it? Right, and sometimes that bill comes due right away. Right. And if you have money that has to go through probate, who's paying that bill? Well, I think it's funny. There's many people that said, well, I'm going to maintain a small life insurance policy to pay for my funeral. And how long does it take to get that? Well, 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 that worked out back, you know, 40, 50, 80 years ago. Today, the mortician, the person at the funeral home, wants to get paid now before they put you or somebody in the ground or cremate you, whatever. Sure. we have a credit card. Right? That's true. And now we pay with a credit card. Right. Or somebody does, and then someone might want to get reimbursed for that. So how is all of that going to go through? Who calls Social Security? How do you get death certificates? What's the time to make all of these changes? And how do these people even know they need that stuff? How do you know that you need a death certificate? Right. Well, we do this 25 times a year. So we've got a lot of skill. We know a lot of the funeral directors. We know a lot of the folks that are involved in all of this and can guide you appropriately. Taking advice from a neighbor after someone passes away can be very dangerous because each person's situation is different. And we do want to caution you as well. Nothing has to happen immediately. I mean, typically there is no urgency to say, I've got to get this done the day after a person dies. You typically have some time to go through the process. Well, un- unfortunately, Mary, and you and I go to a lot of wakes and funerals. We certainly do. And I can't tell you, I mean, you know, have the stories, too, of people that have stopped us as we're walking past the body in a casket, and the kids are asking us, can I swing by and get my share? Or <laughs> doesn't they're waiting, work like that. It doesn't work that way. Or they're waiting at our office the next morning to pick up a check. It doesn't work that way. It takes a little bit of time. There's a thoughtful process that goes through this. You have to close out mom and dad's or whoever passed away to close out their estate, close out their accounts, follow the beneficiary lineage to put the money to where it has to go. It takes time. Right. I I will say the best thing that um, anyone can do who's, you know, no matter what age you are, I would say, is to have a joint owner on a checking account or a TOD on a checking account such that whoever is that person can actually pay the bills until until that time passes and you're able to claim some of the other monies. Yeah. Fortunately, most people have time. You know someone's yes. health is failing, but there are yes. other times when it's just immediate. And you, know you have what? to be prepared. Even sometimes we've seen cases where somebody's health is failing and they haven't made the changes. Right. But it's important that you connect with your estate planning attorney, make sure your estate planning documents are up to date. And it's also important to go back and check, you know, something you did years ago has not is not still in existence. You have the right people named. Right. And make sure your kids know who who knows where all that information is. Exactly. And we become that point of contact. And if now's the time for you to get serious about your financial planning and investment management needs, or if you really want to sit down and have a conversation to say, all right, how do I plan for this next phase that could be facing us at some point in the future? We're here to have that conversation. Give us a call, 978-531-8108. That's 978-531-8108. Or learn more about us on the internet, 
our website, Friedman Financial. That's Friedman. Two E's and a D. Financial.com. Go to the bottom of any page if you like and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that comes out every Friday at 1030. But for now, that's going to do it for us from UCLA all the way out here in Los Angeles, California. Marion and I will be back with another edition of Dollars and Cents next week. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you later. See you later.